Hello and welcome to Studs Up, the podcast diving in with two feet to tackle all of the hot topics in the footballing world. My name is Alex Burrow and I'll be your host as we navigate the world game. Joining me once again are Dylan Rowe. Hello. And Lachlan Woodley. Hey. How are you guys going this week? Not too bad. <laughs> Honestly, not that well. Oh yeah, why is that, Lockie? Well, we said last week that you're not a qualified for Champions League, but we didn't. <laughs> then we lost this morning. Oh, well, I mean, we're where we're, we belong in Europa League, so... You're back in your, in your comfort zone. I'm, well, I'm joining, joining Dill in Europa League, so that'll be fun. Yep. <laughs> you, you guys got a big head about your five wins in your group, but, I mean, you didn't even know where half your team, half the team was from in your group, so... It doesn't matter, but we're back in the same spot, so... Yeah, well... Hopefully we play you in the first game. As well as the uh, the first episode went, we did have some interesting interesting calls, uh, specifically regarding Olivier Giroud being a terrible player. Didn't say he was terrible. I just said, would you want him as your backup striker? Obviously, maybe he's one of the guys watching this because he just went and scored four goals the next day. So, <laughs> good on him. <laughs> Oh man, and he scored in the league as well. And in the league, yeah. Maybe I should just just stop calling people out because then they just start doing. Maybe I should call out United, and then maybe they'll do well. Maybe, although I'm not sure anything can quite save Man United at the moment. Nope. Okay, well, on today's show, we're going to be taking a look at what on earth is going on in La Liga. But before we dive into it, let's have a look at some of the games that have been played over the last week. So one of the big results in the Premier League this weekend or the last weekend just passed was Crystal Palace beating West Bromwich Albion 5-1. Wilfred Zaha absolutely tore apart West Brom in this game. Uh, He absolutely dominated. He's looking like the player that he was a few years ago before he had that ridiculous price tag slapped on him and he just couldn't (laughs) be moved. Of course, uh, uh, Mateus Pereira was sent off in the 34th minute, which made the game a little bit easier for Crystal Palace and certainly opened it up. But overall, it was a very dominant display from Crystal Palace. I'm happy Zaha just did well for my fantasy team. Ben <laughs> <laughs> Teke did well also. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The... Uh, one of the other games that caught our eye as well was Bayer Leverkusen beat Schalke 3-0. So goals from Patrick Schick, Julian Baumgartlinger and an own goal from own goal rather from Malik Tiao saw Leverkusen run away as the winners. The result puts Leverkusen in second and it cements Schalke's position in last place in the Bundesliga, which is really quite a disgrace, boys, wouldn't you say, for, for a decent club? You know, they've got a decent squad and sending in last place. Yeah, like you were saying, it's just a disgrace. Yeah, I mean, you're used to the last few years then being kind of up there pushing for, like, Europa League even, and Champions League even. I think they were in the Champions League group a um, couple of times last few years. So, yeah, for them to be bottom is, like, quite surprising. So And not just bottom, they're comfortably bottom as well. Like, yeah. They've got zero wins in uh, in the league so far. They've conceded something like 31 goals already. It's ridiculous. It's quite concerning. It's been a really rapid 
drop off for them uh, from like, like you were saying, Dylan, they was, you know, been up and around the top of the table for, you know, for such a long time and mm. it's all just fallen apart. And I'm lo- just looking at the table now. They've conceded 31 goals. They've conceded like... 31 goals. They've only scored six. That's insane. I mean, they were in trouble last season and it's not looking any better at all. I mean, they've shipped three, four goals in a number of games already this season. And of course, the first game of the season, they had that 8-0 loss to Bayern Munich. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it, it's a mess. That doesn't help them. It's a mess there and it's not looking good at all. Mm. It looks like they're probably going to go down. I can't really see them turning around. I mean, I guess it's still early in the season, but I can't really see them turning around their form that dramatically. Yeah. No. I think what's probably best for them is to, if they're going to keep going this way, to fight for that relegation qualifying spot. Mm. Well, moving on. And in Syria, Napoli beat Crotone 4-0. So that means that Napoli have recorded back-to-back 4-0 wins in the league following a win over Roma last week. So this win puts Napoli into third spot ahead of Juventus now in Syria. Of course, uh, the unfortunate news just over a week ago that Napoli icon and footballing legend Diego Maradona passed away. So you can see that the team is really rallied since that unfortunate event. And of course, news coming out throughout the week that the Sao Paulo... Uh, will be renamed, uh, effective immediately, the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Boys, what do we think of Napoli at the moment? Looking really, really good. You know, back-to-back four wins is very big for them at the moment, so they're looking really well. Yeah, I think um, well, I think last season they struggled a bit kind of thing. I, think, I don't think they're in any European competitions, maybe Europa League, I don't know. But um, this season, like... Yeah, they're definitely getting back up there again. Um, players like Lozano and um, Lozano and Insigne are doing great this this season for them. So yeah, they're looking good at the moment. Yeah, so they're in the Europa League at the top of their group as well, with one game left. So it's looking like they'll go through. It's not guaranteed yet, but yeah. it's looking like they will. Um, but what what's really interesting to me is that they're managed by Gennaro Gattuso, who was just a real dog when he was a player, like a real workhorse, really rough. And he's got Napoli playing this free-flowing, really exciting attacking football. It's <laughs> it's incredible, really. And you contrast mm-hmm. that with uh, with Juventus and you look at Perlo, he was that kind of, uh, that really exciting, sexy player to watch. But the football that Juventus playing is not at all. So it's interesting to me that that's how it's kind of turned out for those two managers. Well, isn't that his first job at Juventus? Mm, it is. But so, um, you just got to give him time. Oh, sure, you, you but I'm just, just but you can't just go in like I mean he's got the, a great squad, but you can't just go in and just you know win the league constantly if it's if it's his first job. No, of course, but I think what what I'm getting at is that the style of play you would think would reflect the way that the, they manage their teams. Yeah, but uh, that's uh, it's, it seems to be quite the opposite at the moment. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive right into the mess that is La Liga. 
Welcome back to Studs Up. We're going to dive right into our main topic. And this week, we're trying to understand what on earth is going on in La Liga. So unlike last week, where we took turns in presenting a case for individual players, we're just going to have a bit of a general discussion about everything to do with the absolute shambolic nature of La Liga at the moment. So why don't we just kick it off with the most obvious disaster, Barcelona. Barcelona are currently sitting ninth after 10 games. They still have two games at hand, so they have room to recover their position. But a loss to Cadiz and a draw to a 10-man Alaves in their last five games really kind of demonstrating the mess that they're in at the moment. Expected points have them in eighth. So they're technically underperforming in terms of their points gained, but that's only marginal. Of course, they do have their two games at hand. Their squad is looking a little bit shaky at the moment. Uh, so they have injuries to Ansu Fati, who, of course, is one of their most important players now. He's out until March next year. PK, again, one of their most influential players in terms of uh, leadership and importance to the team in general, is out until February next year. Sergi Roberto, who's such a crucial squad player for them, is out until January next year. And Usman Dembele, who seems to be perennially injured, is out until late December. So in the summer, they seem to do some okay business and a bit of questionable business as well. Uh, they signed Miralem Pjanic, of course, in that swap deal with uh, Juventus for Artur. So you, he cost them 60 million euros. They signed Trincao from Braga for 32 million euros and brought in Serginho Dest at right back from Ajax for 21 million. Of course, Artur going in the opposite direction with the Pjanic deal. Uh, the fee paid for him by Juventus was 72 million. But I think that the way that deal worked out, it was uh, a bit of balancing the books. So neither team really uh, lost money on either. And I think it worked out almost that the way that the contracts were uh, set up, They both teams actually made a profit, which is interesting. They also sold Nelson Semedo to Wolverhampton Wanderers for 30 million euros. Ivan Rakitic went to Sevilla for 1.5 million euros, which is basically free. Uh, and then, of course, for free, Arturo Vidal went to Inter Milan. And the big one was that Luis Suarez, one of the club's all-time leading goal scorers, went to Atletico Madrid for free. So they've kind of, uh, they've kind of rejuvenated their squad a little bit, bringing in some younger talent, clearing out some of the older talent and bigger wages. But the squad is still a little bit of a mess. And, of course, the Messi doesn't really seem to want to be there at all. There was the transfer speculation at the start of the season that was heavily linking him with a move to Manchester City. But still this season, he's played well over 800 minutes for the club, but he's only scored four goals and he hasn't registered an assist yet so far. Two of his goals as well have come from penalties. So he's only scored two non-penalty goals, which is quite concerning. Considering he's taking 5.2 shots per 90 and making 2.3 key passes per 90, um, it's, it's a little bit of room to worry there. Expected goals and assists has him at nearly seven goals and three assists, which equates to about 0.7 goals and 90 uh, per 90, which is, they're okay numbers, but they're not really messy numbers. And especially when you consider that when you uh, account for non-penalty, non-penalty goals, is sitting at around 0.55 expected goals per 90. 
And I mean, at this stage, it looks like he's almost certainly going to sign for Manchester City for free next season, uh, wanting to link up with Pep Guardiola, who's signed a contract extension. So what, what do you guys make of the, the situation in Barcelona? Yeah, look, I mean, it's definitely not, not great at the moment kind of thing. I think the biggest thing is those injuries are, like, to those players are, are huge, I guess, um, especially Ansu Fati and PK. Um, Ansu Fati was, like, such a critical player for them at the start of the season. Um, I think he picked up the Liga's player of the month for that first month of the season. So yeah. he was in great form. And to lose him and you're attacking to start players like Braithway up front, Obviously, losing Suarez as well in, in um, the transfer window is not ideal, obviously. And they're quite lacking defensively with that missing link with PK and Roberto. That Their defensive leadership is quite quite big kind of thing. And not having them on that right-hand side has kind of exposed them a bit defensively. So, obviously, they've got issues at the moment. And uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be fixed too much soon at the moment with those how long big the, or how long those injuries are. So, yeah, they've got quite a lot of problems. Mm. I mean, you can see like the, some of those videos that go around where Messi's just sort of strolling around and the ball's just next to him. He doesn't, you just can see in those like videos that he just doesn't really want to be there anymore. He's just sort of in that stage where he's just had enough and he just wants to move on. Yeah, I think Messi's always kind of seemed like that kind of player that when he's off the ball, it seems like he's not doing much, but it seems even more so this season mm. that he's not he's not working as hard as he would have in the past and he's not taking on players as much as he used to either. So, I mean, it, it is a real problem for Barcelona because obviously this, this decline hasn't really happened overnight. This is something that's been happening for the last two or three seasons, really. Even though they've continued to win in La Liga, they've struggled in Europe. They've struggled with coaching. I mean, they've been through what three managers in the last two seasons three or four managers mm, or something yeah. like that it, the consistency at the club isn't is a joke really and I, I i'm not quite sure what what's going to happen now obviously the board and the president resigned um following pressure from the fans which is something that the fans have been pushing for for a very long time the, the presidential election and the board elections weren't meant to take place until something like March or May next year. So they've got them out there much earlier than they were meant to. Um, but for, for a club that is gen, generally considered to be, and especially historically, one of the biggest clubs in the world, you look at Barcelona right now and they're all over the place and it's, mm. it's, it's pretty concerning. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, they've got two games in hand, so like they can push for the those top spots. But the way they've been going at the moment, it doesn't really look like they're gonna really push that far for those top spots in the league. You, you know, they they got Pjanicin, who's how old is he? He's like in his thirties, isn't he? Yeah, he's early thirties now. And they got and they swapped him with Arta. Who's like 23, 24. I think he's a little bit older than that now, maybe 25. But even if they win those two games at hand, that's still only going to put them on 20 points, which mm-hmm. uh, which at the moment is only good enough for fourth place anyway. Mm. 
in La Liga. So, I don't know. And and also, do we really, do we really think that Ronald Koeman is the the manager that's going to be able to energize that team? I mean, they're playing Levante their next game. The next game after that is against Sociedad, who are in second at the moment and probably uh, behind Atletico Madrid, the inform team in the league, or definitely the inform team in the league. And then they play Valencia, who are also a mess, but still a formidable team to play against. Yeah. So I'd, I can understand why Komen was appointed, especially because he was appointed by the former board. He obviously is a club legend. He was a great player for the club. So I think he was... He's obviously been brought in. Well, he's got that experience. Like, he managed Everton before Barca, or did he manage a team before Barca? Well, we, we sacked him, and then he got the position as the Netherlands manager, and he did well there. But I think he was obviously brought in to just be the holding coach mm. I, I don't think anyone expects him or expected him at the time to stay beyond this season because obviously uh, Xavi is who they want Messi wanted him at the start of this season but that never eventuated because Xavi didn't want to work under the, uh, the, the previous now previous board at the club but whether or not he's the right fit for next season anyway is a different question entirely. But right now, Ronald Koeman is uninspiring. He's ineffective. He can't seem to work out how to play the squad or who he needs to play. It's, it's all over the place. Well, like how you were saying, if Xavi's going to come in, does, would that persuade Messi to stay? Or like you were saying before, would he just go on a free to City? I'm not sure because I don't know how much Messi will 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 trust Xavi's managerial expertise. I mean, obviously, they were great friends. They were great teammates. And he wanted him to come in. But if it's a matter of playing under Xavi, who may or may not do well in a mm. Barcelona team that is in a troubling state, or going back to finish out the elite years of his career under Pep Guardiola, a manager that he's had incredible success under in the past, I I really think that he's going to lean towards linking back up with Guardiola at Manchester City. And I think that Guardiola re-signed his contract with the understanding that Messi will probably join. Mm. I don't know what you think. What do you think about that, Dylan? I think it's easy to say that like Xavi would be a good appointment because he's, well, he's obviously a club legend, he's well appreciated and stuff. And I can see why Messi wants that, but I'm not sure if he's someone that even Barcelona would like, um, I guess, uh, I guess need to like take him to that next step to get back up where they were, I guess. And I feel like Messi at this stage is where he's now, the fact that they didn't appoint Xavi and they put in um, Coma instead, I feel like he's, yeah, more leaning more towards going back to work with Pepper at this stage, I think. Yeah, I think that's that, that's where his mindset would be because I, I, I think where the, like Lockie was saying, the fact that he's really kind of like at that point where he just kind of feel like he's had enough, I guess, with Barca, I guess. And the, obviously the results are reflecting that and he might have a have a change of heart, I guess, and decide that, like, yeah, what is best for the rest of his career would be to go work with Pep, I guess, in those elite years. So. Hmm. 
And I think something that was rumoured, I don't know if it's been confirmed now or not, but the contract offer that Manchester City gave him included uh, a pathway for him to go and play in the MLS as well. Yeah, yeah. York City. I think that was and, at the start of the season. Yeah, and by all reports, that's something that Messi is actually interested in now. Uh, so playing in MLS, that is. So I wonder whether that's an even that bigger really incentive weird, for him. It? What's that? Sorry, wouldn't that feel weird, like for you guys, like just seeing Messi in a league like the MLS? I mean, I think it'd be weird seeing Messi play anywhere other than Barcelona. Oh yeah. yeah. And once he makes that first step, then I mean, once he was bad. Yeah, exactly. Or odd. That's right. I don't know. It's not really just that. It's more just like the caliber that he holds, like how good of a player he is. Like he's up there with like the best players in the world, and you go put him in the MLS. Yeah, but I think by the time that he's... He'll be quite old by that time. Like, he's ready to... He'll he'll be about 36 by the time he makes that move, and he's not going to be the best player in the world by then. Yeah. So, it won't be as surprising. But looking at Barcelona's squad, there's still a lot of older players there now. A lot Mm. of fairly... Mm. Wasn't the whole thing at the start of the season that he was just Coleman was just going to blow the team up and then just sell everyone? Or am, am I wrong? I think that there was a lot of talk that, that was going to happen, but I'm not really sure that that was ever going to be the smart move because I think it would make no sense to bring in someone like Coleman who's got. I mean, he's not really a squad builder. He's never really been a squad builder anywhere that he's been. So to blow up a team like Barcelona and have him rebuild it when he's realistically only there for a year, it seems not very sensible. It, it would make more sense for me, say, they do hire Xavi uh, before the start or by the start of the next season and decide to blow up the team when Messi leaves. That would make a lot more sense to me because they've already got some key components there that they can they can keep. I mean, Tostegan's not going to go anywhere. Longley will probably stay. De Jong. Yeah, Frankie De Jong, Serginio Dest, and Fatty looks like a player that's going to stay. Yeah. Like, you've got those players you can just build around. So just get rid of like, the older players and just bring in not better talent, but just sort of like younger players that can sort of stay around for a bit longer. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, they've got plenty of players that they can shift as well. Samuel and Titi. Um, they could probably move Junior Firpo. I mean, Busquets is someone that you need to look at and go, do we want to keep him here forever mm. or can we move him on? Because he's, it's not a shock really that he's not as effective as he was three, yeah. four years ago. He's not the player that he was. Frankie de Jong seems to be far superior now. Mm. It's a shame. Busquets is a good player, but these things happen. I mean... Usman Dembele as well is another player they can move on. Yeah. There are a lot of movable pieces that would give them some money to go and do, uh, to go and rebuild the team. Mm. And I don't think it would be the worst idea because at the moment it doesn't look like they're going to be competing for La Liga or, or even the Champions League for, for, for quite a while. Not seriously, anyway. I don't know. 
what do you guys expect of them this season? Do you think that they'll kick on and finish in the top four? Or do you think that they're going to miss out? It's tough to say, really. Like, you think it's one of those teams that would push on. But, I mean, with the form they're going on at the moment, it doesn't really look like they will push on for top four. Mm. I think that those injuries are, like, pretty pretty key players, I think. Yeah. Um, I think if they came back, like, say, before January, um, and then they're able to, like, get some games back into them, and then they can make a few signings maybe in January. And I think they could probably get, like, I reckon they could probably get, like, third or fourth maybe behind Injuries like are really just... Like, just what's the word I'm trying to say? Like, the injuries have just sort of made their form a lot more worse, if you know what I'm trying to say. It's definitely well, weakened the squad, like, and weakened, therefore weakened yeah, that's the what, results, yeah, they've so. just weakened the squad. It's one of those players that they probably thought would be backups, kind of thing, like Dest and um, even like players like, Bra- like Braithwaite. I don't think Braithwaite thought he would get that many minutes, kind of thing, play for Barca. But he's had to play start most games now. So, mm. Oh, exactly. And that's, I mean, they obviously wanted to move on Luis Suarez. Mm. But in doing so, again, they've lost 15 to 20 goals a season. He's mm. not the 30, 30 plus goal striker that he was. But he'll still he'll still get you 15, 20 goals. I mean, he's yeah. on fire for Atletico at mm. the moment, and I'm, we'll come on to that a little bit later. But I don't know. I it would be weird to think that Barcelona will not finish in a Champions League spot, but at the moment, there's there seems to be a real possibility of that happening. Mm. Mm. I don't know. It's a bit of a worry, but I think that's enough about Barcelona for now. So why don't we move across and we'll talk about their biggest rival, Real Madrid. Lockie, what have you got on Real Madrid for us? Well, they're currently sitting in fourth after 11 games with, and they still have one game in hand. In their last five games, they've won two games, which one being 1-0 to Sevilla. They've lost two games with one being a 4-1 loss to Valencia. We were saying before, uh, one of those teams that are just struggling at the moment. And a big 4-1 loss to Valencia is not that great. Especially for a team who's sitting in fourth at the moment. And the other game was a draw to Villarreal, who are doing really well at the moment. Um, They're on par with expected points this season. Uh, And the injuries that they've got at the moment... Are all expected. All three of their injuries are supposed to come back this week, which was Valverde, Hazard, and Carver Howe, who are expected to come back Friday. Um, another injury they have is Luka Jovic, who's still to be determined of when he's going to be coming back this season. Um, they haven't brought anyone in this season at all, but they've got rid of a lot of players who have just come back from loan. Like Hakimi went to Inter 40 mil. Uh, Regular went to Spurs for 30 mil and both or well, Rodriguez went on a free to Everton and Bale have gone on loan to Spurs but you'd think at the end of that loan he'll probably be sold to Spurs would you think the same? Um, I'm not sure it, it would depend on how much money they're wanting for him and actually whether or not he actually performs for Spurs because mm. he's not really at the moment. But well, do you think Real Madrid will keep him in the, at the end of this loan, or would they sell him on? No, I think they'll look to shift him on, but I'm not sure whether he'll go to go to Spurs, mm. go back to Spurs or not. 
or whether they try and shift him elsewhere. Yeah. Um, this season, Benzema's leading in uh, goals this season with four goals, and he also has three assists. Um, at the moment, Benzema's taken 3.38 shots per 90, as well as 0.9 key passes per 90. Um, but at this stage of the season, Benzema's been underperforming with goals by 1.31. So right now, he's expected that... Or, He's expected 5.31 goals this season, but he's underperforming by 1.31. Another player that's been a key performer this season, which I was saying before, who who was injured, was Valverde. He was expected to come back on Friday. He's got three goals, one assist. He's averaging 1.48 shots per 90 and 0.99 key passes per 90, which is basically just one key pass per 90. He's also overperforming in expected goals this season by 1.88. So there's players in there that have been performing well, but there's players in there that haven't really been, you know, up to the standards that they've been held to. So what do you guys think? Do you guys think Real Madrid have been performing well this season or are they underperforming this season? I mean, they're probably underperforming a little bit. Um, I'm just looking at their last five games. They've well, they've won two games, lost two, drawn one. So on that form alone, they're probably underperforming a little bit compared to what they where they could be. Um, thinking about where Rail kind of could be at the end of the season, I think they could definitely be one of those teams up there for the title. They're definitely better off than where Barca are at the moment. Mm. Um, but could they catch Atletico? I think they definitely could. Yeah. Um, I mean, those injuries, some of those players are pretty important. Valverde's been really good this season. Hazard's obviously a good player. And Carvajal's uh, quite important for them because they're starting, I think, Vasquez at right back, who's a yeah. natural winger. So if they can I mean, stay, they, get those players to stay fit um, for the most part. They, they well, definitely those players are coming back at, at the end of this week. So Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, definitely think they can, I definitely think they can win La Liga this season. Um, yeah, I don't know what you think, Alex, but... Yeah, I think comparing Real Madrid and Barcelona, it's almost as if Real Madrid aren't struggling at all because Barcelona are struggling so poorly. But when you actually look at the form, you look at the numbers, you look at the injuries, it's clear that there's also something going wrong there. Mm. It's not as dramatic or as... um, Serious as Barcelona. Serious as Barcelona. But... It's it's still something that is oh, kind of concerning. I mean, they won the league last year, obviously, mm. and they they were okay. They weren't outstanding last year. It's kind of a little bit more of the same this year, and it seems like other teams around them have got better. But some of their transfer business, for me, at the start of this season was kind of not very smart. Mm. I mean, they got rid of so many players, and they brought no one in to replace these players. Exactly, and you look at it now. Like, look at Hakimi. Hakimi at Dortmund last year was outstanding. Mm. He was arguably he did granted he did play wing back a lot, and he did play as a a winger or a right midfielder a fair mm. bit for Dortmund. 
but he is a good defender. Plays on the right, can also play on the left, and they sold him to Inter Milan for 40 million euros. That for me was the deal of the summer. Mm. That's a steal in in this market. It's so 100%. cheap. And the fact that Carvajal has been injured and they don't really have anyone to cover yeah. demonstrates the lack of planning in that in that squad. And I mean, selling Regulon as well to Spurs, I mean, that's an excellent pickup and also really cheap for Spurs. Mm. 30 million for someone that who was arguably the best left back in the league in La Liga last year when he was on loan at Sevilla. That's an absolute steal. Mm. And they do, Real Madrid do have good depth there. They have yeah. Marcelo and they have Furlong Mendy. And Mendy has been very good this season. Yeah. But the, the lack of squad planning and the fact that they didn't bring anyone in, and their midfield as well is aging. I, I don't know. It's. <laughs> I look at it's them as well. It's just weird that they just get rid of all these players and they just didn't really think to bring anyone in. They thought the squad was fine. I mean, yeah, they might be sitting in fourth and all, but like, it's like... It's like Zinedine Zidane is oblivious to the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo left the club. Ah. <laughs> and that his players are not the same age or performing at the same level that they were four years ago. Mm. Or when they won the three Champions Leagues in a row. Tony Cruz, Casemiro, Luka Modric is an aging midfield. There's very little energy in there. Yes, Valverde has been good, but he can't carry the entire midfield. No. Benzema, this season and last season, has absolutely shouldered the entire inta- attacking capability of the team. And... Their younger players aren't performing either. They have Rodrigo, they have Vinicius. They've been good in bursts, but they haven't been consistent. And you have to wonder whether or not they're at the level that a player of Real Madrid's expectations. So is it better that those two go online? I think Rodrigo's been okay this season. I think Vinicius has really struggled. I don't, especially considering Hazard's been always had all his issues, yeah, injuries, so forth. I guess that what you said about that midfield, like the fact that. Zidane's come back in and he's playing the exact same midfield that he had four years ago thinking he'll get the exact same output is like quite damning considering that yeah Valverde has been their best player like they, they in January you think that they would go after some midfielders to try and strengthen because like that midfield is so aging and not mm. the same output that he had when he first came into the club maybe he just feels that Valverde can just carry the midfield like you were saying Alex they could just carry this aging midfield but it's it's not going to be the case. I mean, like, the fact that he's got that midfield and he's got players like Isco on the bench that he's then wanting to move on in January for like nothing is kind of odd. But mm. I get that they're not kind of the same players like a Casemiro or a Cruz, but if you're going to move players like Isco or that, you've got to look to strengthen in January. I think you, they've got to go after some at least one, maybe two midfielders in January. I reckon. Yeah. Well, well, I think. They're probably still expecting that they'll be able to sign Paul Pogba. And it's looking increasingly yeah. more likely that he's going to leave Manchester oh, United. But, well, I think the news this morning was saying that his agents confirmed that he's going to be leaving this summer. And yeah, I, I don't think it'll be one of those ones that will be able to be done in January due to the size of 
the the transfer. But it just really depends where he goes. Like like he is rumored to Madrid, but I'm, I'm again he's all the other one. So, yeah, well, the only three clubs that I can see him going to are. Real Madrid, Juventus, and PSG. And I don't think PSG will go in for him. So it's no. down to those two. And he wants to go to Real Madrid. He's always wanted to go to Real Madrid. So I think that's where he's probably going to end up. But that remains to be seen. But the price that they're going to have to pay for Paul Pogba... Well, there's rumours okay. that's going around that's going to be a swap deal plus money. Right, but Which to me, again, but at the same time, doesn't help them either. If they're going to swap one of their players out, yeah, to me, them. again, that seems like unintelligent business. No. Uh, say, say that there's no swap involved and it's just a fee. It's probably still going to be around the eighty million mark. Yeah, Man United are not going to want to lose much on Paul Pogba, even though no. he's aged. And t- surely, I think his form at the moment has definitely increased his. Uh, transfer wage. Sure. But I think for the fee that you're going to have to pay, you can go and get two or even three players that are going to help rejuvenate your squad. And sure, they might not come in straight away and perform really well. But definitely in a year's time, you're going to be in a better position than you would be if you signed someone like Paul Pogba. Because Pogba's Mm. not young now either. No. Pogba's in his almost his late twenties, mid you know, yeah. mid to late twenties. He's not not like he's twenty three anymore. So oh. I don't know. It just seems like there's a lack of joined up thinking between Zinedine Zidane, the board, and the players at Real Madrid. And I think what you were saying before as well, Dylan, I, they probably will kick on. I'm sure some of the other teams that are performing well at the moment will take a drop off, but. Um, at the moment, it's it's a bit mediocre, and in the Champions League, they're they're not performing very well either. No, well, they're sitting in third at the moment, and there's a lot of rumours going around that Zidane's job may may be on the line because of the fact that he's in third place. But I mean, I think they might just give him to the end of the season, and if he doesn't do as expected then they'll bring someone else in. Yeah, that will be interesting to see what happens there. Well, it's also interesting that if they, if they actually do go into the Europa League, it'll be the first time they ever make the Europa League. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. Of course, the last game in that group is happening overnight. They're and... playing Borussia Mönchengladbach. That's right, and as we discussed last week, anyone in that group can still qualify. So <laughs> there will definitely be some interesting, a couple of interesting results to keep an eye on there. All right, well, we'll move on to Real Madrid's cross city rivals in Atletico Madrid. Dylan, what can you tell us about Atletico this season? Yeah, well, with Barcelona and Real struggling, obviously, Atletico have kind of gone under the radar a bit, and at like the stats that they're performing or maintaining the season so far have been absolutely incredible. So they're currently first after 10 games and they have two games on hand as well, which is quite scary to think about. They could be easily six points clear of Sociedad in second. Uh, They're yet to lose a game this season, uh, having eight wins and two draws. Uh, They've won their past five matches 
and then you consider one goal in that period, including a 1-0 win over Barca and a 1-0 win over Valencia in that five-game period. Uh, they have eight clean sheets this season, which is absolutely absurd, uh, with their goals considered being 0.2 goals per game. I think on uh, on their goal difference, they've got 21 goals scored, two goals conceded, which is well, on a whole other level defensively in terms of Atletico. So in terms of that aspect there, Jan Oblak has been absolutely huge with those eight clean sheets. Uh, in terms of the attack, Jao Felix has had a great start to the season so far, leading the way with seven goal contributions so far, five goals to assist. Uh, he's been heavily supported by Lorente with four goals and Correa and Trippier have also been great uh, out wide with Correa having five assists and Trippier playing in a right wing back role, having three assists. So he's had a great start to the season for since he's came over from Tottenham. Um, uh, in terms of injuries, there was only one injury uh, to Diego Costa, who's been out since November 25th. But uh, he actually came out as a substitute for the game on the weekend. So in terms of injuries, Atletico in a great place. Uh, transfers, who they brought in before the season. So they got obviously got Suarez in on a free, which is a great bit of business on their part. Getting Carrasco back into the club for 27 mil. Maybe a little bit expensive, but he's had a pretty good contribution so far. Uh, Condogbia for 15 and then they got Torreira in as a replacement in online from Arsenal for Thomas Party leaving. Uh, Thomas Party getting 50 mil, uh, leaving, well, Athletic getting 50 mil for Thomas Party leaving to Arsenal at the very last uh, day on deadline day was a, uh, although a big loss to their team, a lot of money in return. So they did a good job of business in terms of that. Uh, they also loaned out Morata to Juve and uh, they lost uh, Aris on loan as well to buy Leverkusen. So the way Atletico performed this season and the way the squads developed, they are definitely up there and challenging for the league of title this season. Uh, defensively, and the stability and capabilities um, they've had at the back, they're clearly a strong suit and supported by Keeper in Old Black, who's at the moment probably arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Uh, their team is definitely warm and capable of a successful campaign. Um, granted, struggles of Barcelona and Real and helping these odds. So I don't know what you guys think of Atletico this season, but yeah, they've been great. So they've been outstanding. Like you were saying before, like only two goals conceded. Like that's just mm. insane. Especially when they've got two games in hand as well. Like, and if they're sitting in first with two games in hand, like that's just. Like I have made some really good acquisitions, I think. And Luis Suarez coming in to play alongside someone like Joel Felix, who last season seemed like he had a bit of um, a b- bit of trouble settling in to La Liga, especially in a system like uh, Simeone's, where it's so rugged and so defensively minded with such strong structure it really seems like Suarez has been able to come in and teach him a little bit share his experience and like uh you know like you said they brought in Lucas Torreira on loan they signed Jeffrey Condogbia um outside of the transfer window as a replacement player under La Liga rules from Valencia they've still got Saul they've still got Coque to kind of strengthen that midfield as well and uh, look, at the moment, I think 
for me, they're the hands-down favourites to win La Liga. Mm. I think that they've they've got a, another window like they did uh, a few few years ago when they won the league. It was 2013 they won La Liga, I think. 2013, 2014, some, something sure. like that. Yeah, They won La Liga. They have a real opportunity to do that again with Real Madrid and Barcelona struggling so much because realistically, the other teams aren't really challengers for the title necessarily. Mm. And they're in pole position. I mean, not only have they not lost in La Liga, they've only had one loss this season. And that was a 4-0 loss to Bayern Munich, who are arguably the best team in the world. So mm. they're performing really, really well, keeping a bunch of clean sheets. They've conceded so few goals. It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. It's insane how well they're, they're just doing in general. Mm. And it does help that you've got the teams like Barca and Rao not doing as well. So gets them to mm. shine a bit more. Okay. Well, I'll put... I think, um, oh, were you going to say something, Dylan? Well, I just think that, yeah, their squad overall, um, defensively in the last few years, they've been pretty good for the most part. But in the attack now, having Felix kind of develop on Correa's obviously got five assists. Even Thomas Lamar's had a career resurgence after he really struggled when he first signed there. Mm. I think oh. that their squad overall definitely... Definitely a lot of depth and well developed, so yeah, they've got a good chance of doing Well, Phoenix well. got uh, player of the month. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah. it really does show how well they're really doing. It's very, it, it mm. is really impressive. To score 21 goals, concede two after 10 games. That's insane. That's ridiculous. Yeah. All right, well, I'll put the question mm. to you now. Do you think Atletico Madrid will win La Liga this season? I think by the way they're going, yes. Dylan? Um, I think that they will, but I think the Real are probably the only other team, in my opinion, that can kind of get up there. I feel like Sociedad would drop off a bit. Yeah. But well, I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they're strong favourites. Yeah. I think that the, I think the way it stands, Atletico Madrid are the clear favourites to win it. And Barcelona are nowhere near... Real Madrid are slightly off the pace, but as you said, they could definitely catch up. Right. Well, that's the big three teams covered. But there is a lot going on in La Liga outside of those teams. So who are some of the other teams that you guys have been impressed by? Uh, Sociedad, I think. Clearly one of the one of the teams. Villarreal as well. Um, the contribution from... Key players on those teams have kind of really lifted them uh, up to where they are on the table currently. Um, obviously, for Sociedad, you got Porto on your Zabal. Um, Isaac even has been pretty good this season. I mm. think Paco Acacer for Villarreal has been been huge so far. I think he's got seven goal contributions. I think on on paper. So yeah, though and. Uh, so uh, only conceded five goals this season. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I think overall the key players and in the attack are definitely doing doing what they need, I guess, for for even if it's a chance to get Europa League. I think that Villarreal and Sasha in the last few years have 
been up there to qualify Europa League and haven't quite made the next step to get towards Champions League. And I think that their key players have really, really lifted this season. And yeah, Sausage Dad especially, I think. Paco obviously overperformed Villarreal. But mm. um, yeah, Sausage Dad especially, their squad, I really like the look of their squad. And I think that they, they're someone that can definitely make Champions League this season. Who are used yeah, to I agree. I think... So. People were a bit concerned because obviously they were flying pretty high last season as well. They were playing some really good football and people were a little bit concerned when they failed to secure a return for Martin Odegaard from Real Madrid. Of course, he was on loan Mm. there last season. But they brought in David Silva for free and David Silva has been fantastic for them. He's been really good in Mm. the games that he's played. He's played uh, almost every game. Um, and even though he's not contributing necessarily with goals or assists, he's really pulling the strings. I mean, Iata Mendy's been injured, so he hasn't played that much. But Mikel Marino, who, of course, used to be at Newcastle, has been performing really, really well for them. He's been one of the four midfielders in La Liga so far. And then, again, Mm. like you were saying, they have Porto, Oyathabal, Isaac, still have William Jose... Adnan Yanyazai, mm. like they've got a really nice squad at Sofiedad. And I, I agree. I think with the form that Real Madrid and Barcelona are in, I mean, I think Real Madrid will be safe, but the form that Barcelona are in, there's definitely a space there for them to clinch a Champions League spot. Mm. Mm. 100%. I think I'm reading at the moment. I think David Silva's also injured at the moment. Yeah, as well. he is. And. Villarreal as well. I mean, they look great. Over the last few years, they've made some really smart signings. Uh, this year, of course, they <laughs> they pretty much stole Valencia's midfield pairing of Danny Parejo and Francis Coquelin. That's a really mm-hmm. solid midfield. Again, they've they've got a few players in there to balance that out. Their forward line is great. Carlos Baca, Paco Alcacer, Gerard Moreno. Uh, I think I've got Chukwesi still and Kubo on loan from Real Madrid, like all good players. And then the defense as well was solid. And of course, <laughs> they're being managed by Mr. Good Evening himself, Unai Emery. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> How's that? How's that make you feel, Dylan, to see Villarreal doing so well? Yeah, look. They've, he's he obviously uh, has kind of light, been lightened up, I guess, in terms of the hate of how much we've still been struggling as of late with Arteta. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm glad to see him doing well because obviously he had that stuff with the how the players couldn't understand him or rumoured to be making fun of him. So I guess it's good for him to go back to Spain and be doing well Absolutely. again. And of course, he had so much success with Sevilla as well before he had his move to PSG. Mm. He was he was one of the best managers in La Liga. So. No, it's good to see him doing so well. Hmm. Um, I just wanted to touch on Valencia. I think we were talking about him before. Yeah. How their whole midfield, or their, their whole team's just been obliterated. And their transfer business has just been abysmal. They just got rid of so many players. And I don't think they brought anyone in to re- sort of replace yeah, them. Yeah, well, I mean... They have a very, the fans of Valencia have a very difficult relationship with Peter Lim, the owner. 
Yeah. It doesn't really seem like Peter Lim really cares about the club too much or his family. It seems like he just wants to run it as a business. And they've lost a lot of good players. I mean, like we said before, Parejo and Coquelin, who were so crucial for them. Of course, Parejo is the captain. They, they were so important for for them. They just basically mm. let them go for, for pennies. And then to lose one of their brightest stars in Ferran Torres to Manchester City for, again, nothing. It's 20-something like million. That's nothing. Yeah. Especially how well he's doing right now for City as well. Like, exactly. Again, loss. that was one of the bargains of the, of the transfer window. I don't know. They, they have pieces there to be good. They have Javi Gracia as their manager. I, I really like him. I think he, he's a, a pretty good coach. And they've got pieces as well. Like mm. They've still got Jose Gaia, Daniel Vass, Gonzalo Guedes, Carlos Soler. I mean, there, there are pieces that are definitely um, able to be fit into a good system. I mean, and, and Maxi Gomez and Kangin Lee as well, they're, they're all good players that they've got. But it just seems like, again, it's a situation where there's no joined up thinking between the ownership, the manager, and the players and the fans and... I don't know. It's sad because Valencia are historically a huge club. Mm. Mm. I don't know. It's it's a concern. It's hard, it's hard to see him not do as well as what sort of. Well, of course, and, and, and Peter Lim's. I mean, it's, it it speaks a lot. Peter Lim's daughter obviously came out earlier in the season. I think it was during the transfer window, even, and basically said get lost to the fans. This is our club. We can do whatever we want with it. I mean, <laughs> when you have, That's when you have owners like that, that are so disrespectful to the fans of the club who are the life of the club, they pay to go to games, to buy the merchandise. Oh, goodness me. They're the ones feeling like, Financial wise as well, like if it wasn't for them, they wouldn't be. Obviously, the owners have got a lot, a lot of money, but if it wasn't for them, it wouldn't be the club they were no. now. I don't know. Hopefully, that some something can turn around there. But until Peter Lim sells the club, I don't don't see anything happening. Oh goodness me! Are there any other any other teams or players you guys want to touch on? I think we've really covered it all. Yeah. Um, Iago Aspas is doing quite well at Celta this season. Um, Look at the table. Uh, Cadiz are actually in fifth right now. Uh, I wouldn't be lying if I didn't know who they were before this season. (laughs) So, so, yeah, for them to be in a Europa League spot is like fair play to them, to be honest. Yeah, well, after... just running on a nail, and Negredo is their top scorer. Yeah, that's true. And of course, they did beat Barcelona last week. So, yeah, sitting yeah. sitting in fifth with a minus two goal difference. There you go. That is the mess that is that is La Liga at the moment. Three of the teams mm. in the top eight have negative goal differences. There you go. That <laughs> speaks volumes about 
what's going on there right now. Yeah. Well, I think we've touched on that pretty comprehensively. There's not much more to say about La Liga other than Atletico Madrid are probably going to win the title and Barcelona look like they're going to get relegated. <laughs> it's on the way. But, um, yeah, not bad. So before we go, guys, are there any, any games that you'll be keeping an eye on this weekend? Uh, well, after my uh, great recommendation of... Uh, here we go. By uh, by Munich versus RB Leipzig last week, game under three all, absolute classic. Uh, I'm going to follow that up with Marseille Monaco on Sunday morning at two thirty. I think that'll be a pretty good game. I think Marseille is, I want to say fifth. I think I think fifth, yeah, fourth, and Monaco is fifth. So both fighting at the moment for that champ- uh, Europa League Champions League spot. Um, so that'll be a good game to watch. So my other one is Dortmund versus Stuttgart. Uh, on Sunday morning at 1am. So those are my two games to watch for this week. Awesome. What do you think the scores will be in those games, Dylan? Uh, Marseille, I think, will beat Monaco. They've been in pretty good form as of late. I think that would be 2 or 3-1. I think Dorman will beat Stuttgart, but it won't be, won't be a smashing, I don't reckon. I think that would be 2-1. So those are my score predictions. Awesome. Lucky, how about you? Well, as a United fan, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Manchester Derby's on this Sunday at four, so I'll be definitely keeping an eye out for that one. But honestly, I don't know which way I would go because City at the moment are looking fairly decent and we're just looking a complete mess. So I feel that City might come out on top, but... Honestly, I don't really know. And the other game this week I was keeping an eye on was PSG Lyon um, on Monday at six thirty. So I think, I mean, I think probably PSG will win that game comfortably. But I mean, that's one good game to keep an eye on. I just wanted to also touch on the game this morning with PSG because I was going to talk about it before. Um, well, the game was um, abandoned this morning due to the fourth official uh, with racist comments towards, um, I think it was Denver Bar in the end. Yeah. And I think both team or both teams just walked off in the end. They just, and yeah. And so that game will, I don't know when that game's going to be played again, but I mean, it doesn't really matter for us because we're still playing. In yeah. So I think that game has been rescheduled for, tomorrow morning so it's just a one one day delay but there's a bit of confusion there wasn't there whether the there was the comment was directed towards the uh, one of the PSG uh, but sorry the Basaksa here coaching staff or whether it was directed to Denver Bar or whether it was directed at the fourth official I think like when I was when I was watching it this morning um and he was trying to sort of explain himself he was saying it, it. It seemed like he was saying it towards one of the players. I think what he was trying to say is that one of the players was offside, and he was trying to point out what player it was. So he made a racist comment towards what the player, mm. uh, the color of the player's skin. And Demabar took that and it's like, well, why are you saying it as like the color of his skin? Because just because he's black, but if he was a white person, you would just say it's it's that person. Yeah, it's concerning and. 
it was the right move for the players both of both teams to walk off. That's what should be happening in all games. Unfortunately, in some instances, it's not. But hats off to both teams for taking that stance. And hopefully, the replay of the game can go forth with no problems. Uh, the games that I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, tomorrow morning at 4.25, Mitiland is playing Liverpool in the last game of their group stage in the Champions League. Awamabil plays for Mitiland, so hopefully he can get on the score sheet like he did last in his last game in the Champions League. Uh, but obviously, I think Liverpool will probably take that one. And then the other one that I'll keep an eye on is the MLS playoff final between Columbus Crew and Seattle Sounders. That one's at a pretty reasonable time, 12 p.m. on Sunday. So that's not a bad one to watch. Well, that's just about all we have time for on today's episode of Studs Up. If you've enjoyed the show, then please make sure you hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at Studs Up Media. While you're at it, pass on the pod to anyone you think might also enjoy the show. We're now officially streaming on all major podcasting apps, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So there's really no excuse. Once again, we really appreciate all your support to help us grow. All that's left for me to do now is say thank you to Dylan Rowe. Thanks, mate. And to Lachlan Woodley. Thanks. I've been Alex Burrow. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Studs Up. Studs Up.